This is the Blockade Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Jared. Wizardamusement.com, the site to visit for custom pinball shooter rods. Easy to install, totally unique. Mention Blockade Podcast for 10% off your order. Wizardamusement.com, sales, restoration, customization. Making it up on the fly like we always do. You are listening to the Blockade Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freebus, aka Shut Your Trap. Joining me, as always, just on a different day, Jared Morgan. Yes, I'm here, and I've come from a uh, a little mini staycation in the city. Um, a staycation in the city. A staycation in the city, because those of you who know me know that I live a, a little way out of the the main CBD precinct of Brisbane, so taking the kids in um, and giving them sort of like a bit of a city experience is actually quite a novelty for them. So ah. uh, there was a science fair on um, in the city that uh, we took them to and stayed a couple of nights there and had a bit of a laugh and they, well, <laughs> had a bit of a laugh as much as you can with two kids that for some reason um, <clears throat> love to play up the whole weekend. So it was a bit yeah, annoying. Science! <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah so it was a bit frustrating but um we got to see a bit of the science fair <laughs> what i don't know why it's been lately and just like it's popped up in various different forms of media or whatever but whenever somebody says science then obviously there's all of a sudden the call out of science and my son has heard this multiple times and finally he goes why does everybody do that and i'm like let me give you a little education so in goes the Thomas Dolby, up comes you blinded me with science, and voila, wada bing, there you go. Yeah. Instant history yeah, lesson. <laughs> He's now educated. He's now educated. Yeah, I don't think he was uh, happy about the education, but uh, he's educated all the same. <laughs> he now knows. You can now have those in conversations with him every time science <laughs> is mentioned, which means you're going to have to mention science a lot more so you can milk <laughs> that me. You do realize that. <laughs> we, we, we also... Um, uh, well, he discovered, uh, actually, I think I discovered him. I was like, here, I'm going to throw this on and see if you laugh. Uh, on Netflix, they have the Aquabat Super Show. So okay. the Aquabats is a ska uh, punk band from here in Orange County, uh, Huntington Beach. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> they, I do like a bit of ska punk. They, they came onto the scene about 98, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Somewhere around that that vicinity. Because there was all of a sudden this huge, uh, huge all of a sudden ska became popular in Southern California again. Um, yep. So they got radio radio play, and there was all sorts of bands that popped up and everything and benefited. So anyway, um, like Real Big Fish, for example, exactly, Same exactly, genre. exactly. Yeah. Also from no here, Orange County, you know, no doubt from Orange County. And not only that, they from... played the noontime show at my college when I was there. Um, oh, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, when they were like, you know, only had been around for two years, three years, and only had an EP. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, anyway, we I, I threw it up there on Netflix, and we watched the first episode, and it's all sorts of stupid, but it's great stupid. It's, yep. it's like um, uh, mocking a Power Ranger Saturday morning style uh, Sid Marty Croft show um, while being exactly that. <laughs> you know, it's They're parodying themselves, but imitating life. Right. And yeah. doing, awesome. 
<laughs> doing a little research, I found out that the lead singer for the Aquabats, he's also the guy that created Yo Gabba Gabba. Oh, seriously? Seriously. That makes, that makes a lot of sense because I kind of wondered why I liked that show that much as a, <laughs> as a father watching it with kids. I was going, <laughs> whenever I see Yo Gabba Gabba come on ABC Kids over here, I go, I secretly go, yes, it's annoying as hell. <laughs> but I, so for some reason, I really enjoy watching it. But, you know, when you got, when you got Mark Mothersburg, who is uh, one of the members of Devo, giving art lessons, you kind of you kind of go, there's some credibility here that I'm not quite sure of, and now I completely understand. So um, hang on. The guy from Devo was doing art yes. for Yo Gabba Gabba. Yes. He did the art. <laughs> like, just starting to drop into place now. Then. Right? There's right. a little segment where he's like, I'm going to teach you how to draw, kids. That's Mark Mothersburg. Oh, Mother right. From Devo. <laughs> from Devo. Yes. Right. That dude. <laughs> um, now I understand. Who, by the way, also... Is the one responsible for the Rugrats uh, music because uh, he he does uh, he composes for various uh, things. Um, I think he did. I think he did Pee Wee's Playhouse also. I'm, I know he's he's involved in that whole scene. Anyway, anyway. Uh, it's it's one of those things. Cool. It's one of those things. So anyway, I, I showed him the Aquabats and he wound up binging all the twelve episodes or whatever that were on the air. And then I had him in my car and I was like, so. Let me put this on the radio for you. <laughs> not throwing a little aquabats. He's like, no. I'm like, it's not so bad, is it? And he goes, no, no, she's kind of catchy. <laughs> it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Scarpuck is pretty cool. Now that's yeah. the gateway drug to real big fish. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, gonna, language. I was gonna say we're gonna have to wait a few years because uh, yeah, real big fish kind of they go a little blue. <laughs> yeah, they do go a little bit blue. They're funny as though. So. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that was that was our respective weekends, I guess. Really, uh, yeah, something um, of something of that nature. But I imagine um, your weekends probably been um, a lot sort of with your head down in the guts of a pinball machine. Well, yes, my head has been underneath the hood, uh, so to speak, doing a lot of. I have no idea what I'm looking at. <laughs> it's like, oh look, it's a board. Oh look, yeah. it looks blackened. Oh, so, you know, we, we, we uh, last time on the podcast put out the plea for uh, anybody that wants to help me, please get in contact with me. And hey, you know who got in contact with me, Jared? Who got in contact with you, It'd Chris? Be, it would be Rob from Farsight. Our friend Rob. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So he contacted me and was like, hey, you know, there's a couple of uh, test checkpoints that you want to put a voltage meter up to. And, uh, see how it's doing. I was like, okay, sure. So borrow the neighbor's multimeter because I still haven't uh, purchased one yet. Got one, yeah. Continue to flip on the voltage, the multimeter and go, I don't know what any of these settings are, but I'm going to go to one until it beeps. Um, <laughs> I want the beepy one. I want the continuity want the, tech. Yes, I want the continuity one, the one that the beeps real good. And uh, anyway, I, I held it up to the MPU board and uh, tested voltage. And uh, it's, it's not getting enough power. Yeah. So, like, the one contact point, I was supposed to be getting five volts, and I was only getting four. Another contact point, I was supposed to be getting uh, 10, and I was getting seven. And then the one that I was supposed to be getting 20 on, I was getting, like, I don't even think I was getting 10 on that. It was, like, nine or something like that. So that what that made me wonder, though, is, and this goes back to where the problem seemed to have emerged, was we were messing around with the fuses on the uh, power modulator board. Yeah, which you sent me photos of, which I'm looking right so at. So I right sent now. photos of, uh, yeah, I, I took that out this weekend 
and uh, you know, you got to understand this stuff is also just covered in grime because it hasn't been cleaned yeah. probably since it was installed. So I, you know, took a brush to it and brushed off all the dirt and stuff. And then that's when I noticed that there's some, it looks like some charring going on. Now, Jared, do you know, is, is charring normal <laughs> on a, on a, charring. it looks toasty on a couple of spots. This board, because you've given me two photos, one with just the light shining down on it and then right. one with the light shining behind it. And the yes. one with the light shining behind it shows that there's definite charring around the um, the large diodes on the bottom left of the board, which is really quite common. Those diodes are actually quite high um, amperage and they do tend to heat up like uh, oven, basically. Um, so C C5 through C8, I believe is what they're labeled as. Yeah, yeah, that's what they look like to me too. And yeah, they are, they will cook those ones. And then um, the fuse, the, uh, the F5 fuse, which is on the uh, far left side, is, and it's can like I think it runs a ribbon down to the J5 uh, plug, yes, uh, power plug. That also looks like it's been charred. Yeah, that's that's heated. It's not so much it's charred; it's just heated up really, heated. really. Okay. Yeah, it's it, it carries a lot of load. That one, so that would be, as you can see, that one goes to J5, which is the input plug. Um, the J6 plug is a transformer, which is why you have all those diodes hanging off it because it's probably a power regulation. It's probably those four diodes would most likely be a bridge rectifier um, setup. So they would be controlling voltage into the board. Um, and then the input plug would be taking voltage probably from, I'm not sure where, um, but it would be also carrying quite a high load too, because that wasn't the F5 fuse is what a 2.5 amp or something like that. Uh, um, the F5, no, it's a 20 amp. Ah, see, that's why it's so black. Um, that's that's a very high amperage fuse, so that's carrying it's crazy. a lot it's of power. 20 amp fuse, right? But it's only got uh, you know a, a ribbon in it per se, right? And then yeah, there's the but then I got a, but then I got a slow burn fuse, and that yeah. thing's inside it's crazy it's got you know cloth in there and all sorts i don't know it's it was like oh yeah uh, it's all about the that one's like a that's the f2 which goes for the high voltage area so you want that one to be slow bow because you know high voltage you know you, you <laughs> i really like how they've actually like sections off this board and the way they've described it using mm -hmm. like um ant lines and stuff um, it's really good how they've described for the age and the era of the machine. It's actually quite understandable, even if you don't have a schematic, isn't it really? Right. Um, so what is the, on the board, there's also a big, um, wire loom with jumpers from, um, four points on the board. Yes. That um, is going, that goes to a, uh, I almost want to say it's a ground. I'm not sure because that goes, uh, uh, screws in separate from the board into uh, the metal plate that all of this is uh, sitting on top of uh, within the pinball machine itself. That and it's that got it's got a plus it's got a plus and a minus. It's a little square box. And it's got a plus and a minus on it. It's a little square box, is it? Yes. That's probably a bridge rectifier. So it's got like a it's got four legs on it, and then it has like a almost like a metal case on the top. It's just a, a maybe about a half inch tall by one inch, one inch square, a little box with uh, oh. four plugs coming off the top of it. It's either, it could be a relay or it could be a bridge rectifier. One of the two. Um, um, it, it doesn't it go may... to anywhere. Like I said, it literally, all it does is just screws into uh, the metal plate 
on the bottom of the machine that this whole board sits upon too, yeah. um, just separate from the board. Mm. It looks like they've tried to get a component that, um, so the problem with these with these older boards is that when you try and find components today, they've slightly redesigned the legs on all the components. So oftentimes you can't actually put them directly back into the board again because the leg alignment isn't quite right. So mm -hmm. what this person's done here is they found a component that actually electrically is sound for the board, but doesn't meet the board layout. So they've just jumped it and put it off the board so they can still use a component, but um, can't actually have it located on the board itself. I'll Obviously. tell you what, I will, uh, uh, after this podcast, I will take a picture and tweet that out. I'm also going to uh, tweet out right now what the uh, pictures that Jared is looking at so that uh, if you go to our Twitter feed, blockade at blockade, uh, you'll be able to see. Have a look at it. Yeah, have a look because, you know, it's more fun to actually see things than to <laughs> just hear us talk about them. <laughs> yeah. I may, if I get crafty, I may even put these embedded into the, um, the, the post that I put up on my blog. Because um, it's interesting to see, I, I find it interesting to see boards. I, I don't know how to read a circuit layout diagram, but I've seen this type of charring before on boards and it's pretty typical. But the uh, the thing that's jumped out, I'd like to get more information about that because it might be a bridge rectifier or it might be a relay. Um, so yeah, that'd be interesting to have a look at. Anyhow, yeah. good work for getting the board out. I hope you labeled all the plugs. Oh, no, they're easy. That goes right back. I put it, it's already back in. I took it oh. out long enough to, to clean it up and then put it right back in. And yeah, I'm not going to mess around with that. Um, the, yeah, you know, I'm going to also, I got the uh, number for uh, the guy that Mike uh, told me to get in contact with. And uh, hopefully he'll be able to come out this week, um, later in the week, and have a look for himself, see what the see what's going on with the boards. If you do find that this board's actually pretty tight, which it is looking a little bit long in the tooth, it's been a lot of um, field repairs done to it. You may just want to invest the eighty bucks, whatever it is, and get a brand new board. And um, well, you know you what know. probably is going to eventually happen is bit by bit I'll wind up replacing everything all the boards. Yeah, right now yeah. I don't want to. Right now I want to replace whatever needs to be replaced to get it running operational. Um, right, get it get it operational again, and then I can. Because this is going to be, I'm not flipping this. It's going to no. be, you know, it's 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 here. So it's more of a thing of, you know, as time goes by, you know, throughout the years, I can go ahead and do board replacements that'll, you know, ensure the life longer. But right now, my concern yeah. is finding out what the heck went wrong, <laughs> getting the sound back up and Six running, yeah. and not wasting. You basically, I only got a limited amount of funds right now. You don't have to do any of this. Um, yeah. And if I exceed those funds, well, then I'm hosed until I have more funds. So yeah. I, uh, I get what you're saying. Like it's one of those it's, things where you, you kind of, I've got the thing. I, I just want to get the thing ticking over enough that I can play it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, because you, you go on pin side and, and it's amazing. You know, you got people that, oh, first thing I do without even checking anything, it's I replace all the connectors. And oh, yeah. then I go and I replace all the, uh, the uh, capacitors. Well, hey, that's that's great, but you're still not diagnosing it where any of the problems are. Um, yeah. you know, that's you're you're just going for the quick fix, if you will. But what happens if you do all that and still nothing? Well, great, you eliminated it's, a troubleshooting thing. But I tend to like to find what what is the thing that is causing the trouble. 
And then perhaps if you work out that, yes, it is capacitors, then go, cool, now I know that the capacitors are dry, I'm going to replace all of them in one right. hit. But I know that exactly. it's the capacitors that is most likely causing the issue. You can do that. The other uh, the other approach you can do too is if if you switch a game on that hasn't been switched on for a while, and um, you you try and power it up with stuff that's damaged on the boards, what can often happen is it will have a flow on effect to other parts of the machine. So the mm -hmm. people who say, "Look, uh, yeah, I'm going to just like replace the plugs, get all the connections working, make sure the capacitors are fine," because you know, I know that the age of this machine will mean that most of the capacitors are dry anyhow. So all they're doing is upfront, they're just trying to make the machine as stable as possible so that if there is any right. other issues in the game, that they know that it's definitely not that and it's definitely not this. So yeah. it's more just an insurance policy because they like it's well documented that these machines of that age and that board set these are the things that will always be a problem on them and will often be the cause of, um, I guess, edge cases in the machine when you try and diagnose things. So mm -hmm. it's removing those problems first will often solve a lot of the problems that you're having in other areas of the boards. It's just one of those things. It's interesting too. Um, actually, the other table that I have is firepower. Mm. And it's, for as much as I always associated Bally and Williams together, they're two completely different <laughs> beasts when it comes to uh, you know, the, Bally one has, the Bally one has boards all over the place. The Williams yep. one doesn't. Um, the Williams doesn't have any boards on the bottom of the, the cabinet, whereas the Bally one does. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's these little uh, clear boxes. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, they, those might be the rectifier boxes or whatever. That are Clear boxes are probably relays. Um, um. There's a solenoid... Driver board? No, no. It's again a little box that's on the underside of the playfield. I don't know. There's all sorts of little parts and stuff that I'm like, that wasn't. None of this has been on the on the 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 Williams table. And then just even like I said, this one uh, has does not have the bayonet style lights. It's the I think there are five five fives or three 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 something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it's just kind of interesting where you. What you, th what I had thought would be virtually the same, um, is different. Even the flippers; these are what they call inline flippers, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to what the firepower has, which is what I think most flipper assemblies kind of tend to tend to, to look like for a while. I think the inline flippers being like a rod with almost like a slider mechanism on it, uh, rather yeah. than like a, a pull and crank mechanism. Yeah, right. that was pretty yeah. common in a lot of bellies. I saw that that. A style of solenoid um, actuator in things like Black Pyramid as well. A Black Pyramid, mm -hmm. um, its slingshots are actually like a on a slider. So you know how traditionally slingshots have got like a almost like a, a crank with a um, a lever attached to it that the solenoid pulls down, then the crank actuates. Well, this okay. thing, the solenoid and the, the the rubber actuator is all in one assembly, so it just slides backwards and forwards. Um, and as it slides, the uh, actuator pulls the rubber out and actually triggers the rubber. So it's very weird how they, they thought, you know, what, we're going to go from this to something like you see on the modern pinball machines, which clearly is because it was probably cheaper to produce and yeah. easier to maintain. So yeah. it is interesting to see how the mechanisms have evolved um, over the years. Yeah. Hmm. 
so you know, well, uh, like I said, it's all a big education for me, and I'm I'm that's what I want to see. <laughs> what I, you know, the mechanical stuff I'm not I'm not afraid of. I'm not afraid of uh, unscrewing and disassembling and cleaning and then re reattaching. But this electrical stuff is, you know, I downloaded the manual and I looked in the back of the uh, electrical schematic and I'm like. No, nope. it, it, it could be written in Farsi for all I care. And there's no way I'm interpreting this. <laughs> it's, this is the problem. Well, when I was listening to the uh, the uh, Nick Baldridge's podcast on EMs, uh, he actually goes through a number of episodes where he will actually walk. He says, "Download this thing and and walk through with me how to diagnose this fault in a EM machine." And he actually mm -hmm. walks through the schematic explaining along the way what each thing was because like electrical schematics are the same um no matter what era of pinball you're yeah. looking at or what era of thing they all just use the same um, nomenclature in them so if you can understand one from the modern era you can understand one from the em era and so on and so forth um so there might be some lessons learned in there but it, it's all about just following the path of the current and I say yeah. that it's 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 easy as just doing that, but even I would have trouble with that. So I understand where you're coming from there. It's it's non-trivial to try and track how the electricity flows from one thing to another. And that's why I figured, it, in my mind, it makes more sense to start with the power module board and uh, make sure that it's kicking out the power that it's supposed to, and yeah. then working your way up to the boards in the back box. But yeah. What do I know? It does make sense. <laughs> the power module board is is pretty critical because everything happens on there. Like there's ceramic, uh, those big rectangular things yes. on the board, big ceramic yeah. resistors. Like that's where most of the power is getting through. You'll find there's a fair bit of heat transfer underneath those. So the board will be a little bit sort of discolored. But what a lot of people do now with those diodes is they actually mount them up higher off the board so that they don't actually get they don't actually transfer so much heat. Hmm. Um, the danger with that, though, is because of the vibration in a pinball machine, you often find that um, when you mount them off the board, there's more vibration so they can snap easier just okay. with, the, with the vibration and the action from the vibration. Yeah. So it's it's so you can't really win with them. They either snap or they burn the board. So <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Right. Um, what yeah. are you going to do? Um... So anyway, that's that's uh, this week's adventure in Chris's eight ball deluxe that he has no clue how to fix. Um, I'd love to be up there with you. I would love to just go through it and and just. Wife is constantly mocking him for breaking yet another pinball machine. I'm like, I didn't do anything. She's like, you looked at it. <laughs> yeah, you looked at it, Chris. It's all your fault. <laughs> that's all right. You're going to learn a lot from this machine. But if you haven't already, get some perf board, get some old shitty components that you um yeah don't when care i get out for you to practice that's i'm definitely going to put it to it man because you can fix that board or at least get to the point where you're reflowing solder on all the connectors because you might find it's a dry joint i mean if there's no power getting to it it's probably a dry joint uh yeah. like a, a component failure but if it's just not getting power at all it's probably just a dry joint and if you know how yeah. to do that you can fix it pretty easy yeah a buddy of mine uh who uh some people know him as Tank Man because of his brilliance at World of Tanks. Um, hey. The people that I talk to, let's put it this way, right. I messaged with before. But anyway, he's a good friend of mine. He's been soldering on computer boards since he was a teen. So right. he'd be he, a good person to get in. 
uh, I told him he's got to come give me some uh, some good lessons and and of course his first thing is well you got to make sure you get a good soldering soldering iron I'm like yeah mm-hmm. yeah no I know yeah, yeah, yeah you know we're talking about immediately he's rattling off these eighty dollar <laughs> soldering irons I'm like dude it's <laughs> I'll just borrow yours if that's where you're gonna send me <laughs> no, you don't need something like that I I got one from there's this local place in Australia that's pretty well known called J Car and they're like the I don't know what probably used to be the um, the Dixon, well, Dick Smith is another Australian company, but like the Tandy or the Radio Shack uh-huh. um, sort of uh, level. But they they also sell things like kits and stuff like that. They're really a like a component shop. They're a cool place. I could spend a lot of money there, basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I never go there. Um, but they have this uh, Japanese made iron. Uh, soldering iron that is pretty good. I've used it a couple of times just to fix things around the house, and it's it heats up quick, and it um, yeah, it just does things really nicely. So you you don't really want to buy like a, a soldering station when you're doing pinball repair, but you want to buy something that's of decent enough quality. Like mid range is all you really need. I don't buy like a twenty dollar one. Buy maybe a thirty or forty dollar one, and you'll be fine. Well, that's the one that was gifted to me. What's a twenty dollar one? <laughs> It'll probably do the job for doing things like, you know, re-soldering um, wires onto um, playfield components. Like, well, as, uh, as, as Tankman pointed out, he goes, you know what's really important? He goes, making sure you have something that holds the board in place and doesn't move. <laughs> and I went, oh, yeah, you got, a, you got a good point there. So apparently he's also made something of that nature for himself. That uh, A little jig. Yeah. A little jig. Um, he, the, <laughs> here's how crazy my buddy is. He is really into uh, tabletop gaming. Mm. And so he is doing his own molds for all the various you know tanks and stuff for uh-huh. these these war games. And he's also creating his own train that he's planning on selling. He's basically starting his own business. So in his house, wow. he's got uh, uh, you know a, a laser CNC machine and um, his various presses, and he just bought a larger CNC machine that can now uh, cut through uh, big pieces of wood. And I was like, hey, you can CNC a, a play field for me. <laughs> and um, he's now uh, getting ready to buy a, a 3D printer. So, yeah, he's I'm surprised that that's the last thing he's actually buying, being a like a... Um doing the sort of things he's doing, like a 3D print would kind of be the first thing I'd get um, when I'm trying to reproduce things like that. Right, right. Well, he 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 knows how to take various parts, make negative molds, and then redo new molds, and then create his own out of it. He's been modeling for years and years and years and years and years. So anyway. That's pretty cool. He's going to give me some education too. So, But mm. the offer still stands because I need people to personally come and look at this thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you find yourself in the Southern California area and you want to uh, help, please give me Just a come buzz. Come on down. Come on down. Yeah. <laughs> hit hit, me, hit yeah. me up on Twitter. Uh, at Shut Your Traps. Hit the podcast up with an email, blah, blah, blockade uh, at gmail.com. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That is it. Hey, why don't we move on to uh, digital D- pinball? Digital pinball. Yeah. Because there's so, been some stuff. Happening. Yeah, so, Swords of Fury has uh, officially been released. Yeah. And I did give it another run, and hooray, the little mini playfield now works like a charm. Yeah, it does. It's like so much catch better. catch them all on the flipper up there and aim, <laughs> which seems to be kind of important. 
it does when you're trying to get the um, the goblins and such up there. It's yes. uh, it's it's working real nice now. And I noticed that uh, just before they released on Android, they did a, um, a textures and um, uh, what do you call it? Not objects, but you know, um, polys update on it as well okay. to make everything super sharp. So it's looking really good now. It's even better than it did before when beta, which was actually arguably pretty good then. But okay. yeah, it's pretty slick. It's a good way to end this and uh, um, the season, I guess. Yeah. As such, they released the newsletter, and if you would like to vote on which table starts the next season, season seven, you can do that. I'm not sure quite when the voting ends. Yeah, I think they were running for a couple of weeks. Um, um, it's on it's on Facebook, I believe, is where they're doing out the uh, Farsight's uh, Facebook account. Um, mm. The two choices are picking between Paragon, which our uh, our friend Heretic would tell you it is your godly duty to vote for that, to or, vote, yes. <laughs> or Embryon, um, which I you know what I've I've played both. I've played Embryon more than I've played Paragon. Mm. Uh, the issue I have with Paragon is it has the dreaded double flipper. I hate double flippers. Oh, the nested flippers, yeah. Because it's a wide yeah, body. I'm, These are both super wides, aren't they? Yes, they're yeah. both super wides. Mm, so that's my that's my wide. Yeah, that's my issue with Paragon. That being said, Paragon has a pretty wackadoodle uh, layout. Mm. Um, so that would be fun to to mess around with. Embryon, I've played with a few times, but I kind of am not enamored with it. Um, it's a beautiful looking table. I've seen it completely LED'd out, and it was phenomenal looking with you know, those blues um, popping out. Yeah, just just bursting. But it doesn't really have much going on for me that interested me. So I wound up going voting for Paragon. Yeah, um, me too. I went for Paragon. It just I haven't played either of them, but I know what it works well with those super wides and I've, i mean i played space invaders just recently at netherworld yeah and um i just remember just how much fun those super wides are to play what and, i hope yeah. hope hope is that farsight is able to translate uh, and we always say this but on these wide bodies especially true the speed of the ball because yeah, it's it floaty yeah. as hell yeah it's, so floaty yeah um it's you know, they, like, they, they had their chance with Genie. They have managed to slow it down a little bit, but Genie's still way, still way too fast. Um, these tables, they're not fast tables at all. No. They need to like have that pitch so flat almost that yeah. you know the thing just like it's like in slow motion going down between the flippers. And that's the that's the attraction of these tables. Like they they flip slow and it it's an actual effort to get the ball all the way up the top of the table. Yeah, um, you see, when you see people playing these, they throw a lot of body language into their flipping. Yeah, they do. <laughs> as if they're, as if they're it's helping. Yeah, uh, you know, because yeah. the simple making contact with the the flipper button and, you know, that's doing all the work for you, but you wouldn't know it by these. You'd think it was an actual mechanical effect of how hard you push that button in is how hard the ball's going to fly. There is a, um, because of the way the mechanics of the flipper work on these old machines and the fact that the, the voltage is driven directly through the cabinet switches to the machine, um, the way you flip can sometimes have an effect on the flippers depending on how they're maintained. So if you do a quick flip on some of these, you'll find that the just through the the way the machine actually works, you might find it delivers slightly more power through the flippers. Hmm. Um, 
Whereas a solid state machine, it's basically just a, a five volt contact that you're interacting with and it doesn't transfer any power. But um, sometimes rather than holding the flipper button in, if you just pulse the flipper button, sometimes you will get a little bit of extra power out of it. So okay. it sometimes works. And it, this only really works for those machines that aren't super well maintained. But if you've got good contact throughout both the cabinet switches and the end of stroke switches, in one of these areas of machine, you won't have that problem. But if they've got a bit of um, pitting on the contacts or any anything else that means that the power isn't transferred well, you can sort of adjust your technique on the buttons and sometimes you can get a little bit of extra power out of them. But, okay. Yeah, it's it, but thrusting doesn't help you. Yeah. No. <laughs> it makes you feel better about it, but <laughs> it doesn't generally help the flipper work any better. Now, the it other... Yeah. <laughs> the other piece of info that uh, came with the newsletter is that there will not be a table released next month. Right. So Farsight is taking a month off, you might say, from releasing a table on TPA, but the employees themselves are hardly going to be taking a month off as no. they are basically going to be in like a mode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bug burn down. And this is what everyone has been asking them to do for years, right? Yeah. Yeah, like this is like take a month off. We'll even pay you to take a month off. People have been saying, which you know is uh, is up for debate as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but they're actually they're at the point now where they have the resources and have the ability to just to take a gap month and focus on the fixes. Well, I think this this speaks for how the sales of TPA are. Yeah, that they're still getting a lot of new users buying seasons, yes. and when you have six seasons to purchase from. Uh, you know, that's that like goes a long way. Yeah, mm. that goes a long way to uh, to paying the bills. You might say you're not having to constantly catch up. You're you're now you're at that tipping point where now, in month to month, are just gravy. Uh, they're not yeah. the core income that's uh, that's, right. that's driving on. So that's good if they're able to do this more often. Um, I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see what comes of this. There's been some yeah. speculation on the forum as to, oh, are they trying to implement the new physics um, that they've been talking about for Stern Pinball Arcade? Are they going to do just nothing bug hunting? Season one cleanup? Are they going to do a yeah, maybe. season one or two cleanup? You know, that would be... God, that'd be wonderful, but there's no way. I don't think they could do that in a month. <laughs> Not in a month. They might be able to do some... Well, it'd be, it'd be fantastic if we saw, say, them take six tables from the first two seasons yeah. and just gussy up the graphics on those six tables. Yeah. Um, just do them you know, incrementally. Be... Like, even if they did six tables every year or every season, you know, yeah. they, they would yeah. soon get through the backlog um, yep. pretty quick. Um, there's been talk about, oh, maybe they're going to finally do uh, Black Knight. And get the emulation on that running. That would be that. Would, that would make a lot of people go, "What do I complain about now?" <laughs> because <laughs> that's been like the the biggest bugbear for a lot of um, long term pinball arcade fans. Oh yeah, um, out there, like just not having this thing emulated with all the scripting bugs in it. And well, I won't even play it. That's, no, that's for that very I, reason. I literally will not play it because. Not only do I feel like it's just got, yeah, scripting errors or problems going on, I think it looks ugly as hell. 
and uh it just it doesn't play right to me at all no no, the, it's the the whole play field is muddy, and it was done at the time when they really didn't have good three D um, scanners and stuff. So everything yeah. doesn't look photorealistic. Imagine if they actually just took that table and stripped it apart and did a full three D remodel on it using the three D yeah. scanner they have now. Amazing! It would look so good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, I, I, yeah, it's it's anybody's guess as to as to what they're going to be. Um, hammering out up there during that month, but it's good that they finally are able to do, to do that. Um, so I, I, be, I hope the community, I hope the community appreciates it um, and doesn't pull one of these. You know, after the month is over and these things get implemented, they go, "Really? That's all that you guys did?" Oh, you know. And, yeah. You know, oh, there's going to be people that do that because there's no, mouth. There's already people that are doing it. Going, I think they should take two months off. It's like, oh my god, I read one yeah. that was all. I would take a third less tables um, just if those tables were, you know, better and had better physics. It's like, you don't understand. <laughs> I love retconning, uh, you know, something that's already been released. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we've discussed this before people, you know, often people that haven't been with the platform for a long time or haven't got a games or business management background. Yeah. Don't understand that that's not something that can actually happen. it's the same thing that I said with regards to Stern Pinball Arcade. Mm. And as much as it may suck that uh, they cut back on the devices that it's going to work on, Mm -hmm. it's actually positive because that means they're going to be able to make the devices that it does work on work top notch. Once those are working, well, now you can add a few more devices to your plate. You've already got a working system going now and you probably figured out a lot of things in the process and now you can do it to some other things. It's much easier to tackle one system alone than eight at the same time. I mean, that's got to make your head spin. Yeah. There's so many different variants, particularly in Android, there's so many different variances between devices, so many different chipsets, graphic chipsets. Yeah. They're getting, getting things to work even on the same ecosystem is well, that's, very difficult. It, it's, it's, you know, you wouldn't think that going from DX9 to DX11 on the PC, that there'd be really any issues with the game. And yet some of the stupidest bugs popped up because of that very thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, again, that's why it's great. Hey, Stern Pimble RF, there is no DX9 version. It's DX11 only. Um, it's just one less thing to try and make sure that it works as you know good on this too. Yeah. Um, so I've got something to mention about that. I actually got, yeah. um, when I, I think somebody contacted me directly on Twitter um, and asked, oh, is there a way to scale back graphics on um, Stern Pimble Arcade on Android because I'm getting performance issues? And um, they were, they said, oh, okay. I, I, I didn't notice that they actually put the device in there. And so I started to respond, oh, so yeah, what, the, what hardware are you using? And then I saw S4 in the tweet. I went, so hang on you're using a Samsung Galaxy S4 to play Stern Pimble Arcade. So <laughs> point one, point one, I'm surprised that that's even whitelisted. Yeah. Um, point two, you got no hope of running yeah. that game on that hardware. Like I, in the beta, uh, Pinwiz is a, a beta tester uh, for Android and he's reporting, he was reporting at one point some performance issues on the S7, which is the latest release at the moment. Okay. So if 
there were some reported issues with S7, which incidentally had now been resolved. But um, yeah, if he was seeing performance issues on S7, then there's no chance in heck that the S4 is going to be able to like stand up to the emulation demands. Yeah, that some people like, hey, like, no way. So this is this is what I was talking about in the past, uh, where you know whitelisting stuff um, and and blacklisting devices needs to sort of happen, like you say, in a very very controlled fashion. Like you should only be releasing um, the product for the actual bare metal hardware that you have in the studio. Yeah. So if you for example, there was a, a point there where they had to blacklist the Shield tablet during beta because they found a, an issue that was preventing it from actually running um, properly at all. So for a lot of the, the beta in the last month, I was playing on my Pixel XL because the, the Shield tablet was completely blacklisted and wasn't receiving updates. But then they resolved it and it's back on the table again and it's working really, really well. So that's the right way of doing it. Yeah. Now. I think they, sh unless they've got an S4 um, in the building, which they probably would, um, you know, I would be going, yeah, pretty much any device from the last year, I'd be whitelisting. I'd be going through, you know, all the, the Android device listing going, yeah, anything with these specs should be able to run this platform and only giving those a whitelist. And I'm pretty sure yeah. that the S4 would not be one of those devices. <laughs> but this is a problem, right? As a consumer, yeah. um, you the thing is they might have actually had um, that that S4 whitelisted when they originally released the product back uh, last year, and it just hasn't like the people that already have it installed on that device may have access to it still. But you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when it's um, like uh, it, I think it is actually out properly now on uh, Google Play again. Um, but yeah, as time goes on, it's going to be interesting to see what devices actually do get whitelisted on it. Yeah. Uh, mm. Well, we shall see indeed. We will. But yeah, the month off is going to be interesting. I'm going to be, I think it's fair to say that if you want to help with this over the month, you should definitely join up for the beta on Steam. And um, uh, all those people that are on the Android beta should also be as active as possible um, during the month because I reckon there's going to be a pile of um, uh, beta releases in this month that we're going to have to get in and sort of have a look at. Hopefully we'll get a log file too so we don't have to look at. Yeah, it would be helpful to actually get an, a known issues and a resolved issues. I think, I know in beta, uh, Pinwiz is just basically pasting a list um, showing what things have been fixed and what things aren't. But I think it almost might be better that, you know, we might do a more formalized version of that and, and really make it easy because it's going to be a churn fest this month yeah. as far as beta testing goes. Well, all right. I think that's uh, that's our issues with pinball this week. Yeah. What else so, we got um, on the, plate? Well, the only other thing is that um, it was tournament uh, at Netherworld for me oh, uh, yeah. since we last spoke. And um, it was, I didn't do as well uh, as I did the first time around, but I still got top 10 out of 50. So that was pretty good, I thought. Um, the the tables they had, they didn't, they we have a Aerosmith um, on the floor oh. now. So that's very interesting. The um, 
uh, an interesting mechanism that they use to shoot the ball from a saucer into the toy box. Okay. Um, if you think about Aerosmith and Batman 66, I'd like to say that the layout is kind of the same. So there's a big toy feature thing in the top right of the play field. And then there's ramps that sort of snake around it very much like Batman 66, um, except without the crane, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the layout looks remarkably the same in, in a lot of respects, um, just from the positioning of the toys. Um, the uh, I will say this, that the Aerosmith code is far more complete than the Batman 66 code when it was on the floor. But the Batman 66 code has just received a colossal update with our assets and, and rules. They've actually got a wizard mode in it now that they've put in the new code. So that's pretty cool. And we're getting to experience these things live, of course, at Netherworld because they've got both tables and they're very meticulous about updating the ROM, ROM code on it. So um, yeah, it's fun that both I think Aerosmith is quite fun, but uh, um, they didn't really have the music up very loud, so you couldn't really hear it super well. Um, which for some people will be a benefit because they hate Aerosmith as a yeah, as a but band. Still, whenever you're playing a music table, that's such a, a key component. You got to have it cranking, right? You do. Like, you do. Yeah, you really do. And the the speaker system in the new Stern, like the the that era of table, is really quite good. Like the the yeah. default speakers, they're pretty punchy. So. Um, yeah, it's quite fun, but yeah, the, 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 the key feature of that thing is where the ball, the saucer has two solenoids in it, one for just a, a soft kick out and one for the big cross table kick. The thing goes okay. from like the right hand side of the play field to the left hand side of the play field in the air into the bloody box. It's Jeez. pretty, pretty cool to see. I tried to capture it on video, but, um, it just wasn't quite clear enough. Yeah. Um, but it's very impressive when you see it. Um, in real life. So yeah, if you have one near you, um, go and check it out. I like it. Yeah. I've seen cool. it. I like what the, I like the sound of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I have to see it for myself. All righty. Well, gang, we're going to uh, wrap things up then here this mm. week. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you tune in next week. I will try and update you on, uh, hopefully I'll have some more news and not just me staring blankly at Able Deluxe. Um, <laughs> And uh, and maybe we'll get a, a a better clue as to what they are going to be doing in the beta, or not the beta in the uh, this month off, uh, yeah, bug stuff like that. So for Jared, for myself, thank you again. We will talk to you again next week on Blockade Podcast. See you later. Wizardamusement.com, the West Coast leader in classic pinball. Makers of custom pinball shooter rods to buyer specifications. Swap out your standard ball plunger with something themed to your specific table. Installs in less than five minutes with no custom tools. Even if you don't own the table, looks great as a pinball memento to admire. Prices start at $39, but mention Blockade Podcast to receive 10% off your order. Wizardamusement.com. Sales, restoration, customization. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or your favourite podcast hosting service that Blockade is delivered to. We can't improve unless you tell us how. Now stop listening and play some pinball.